Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, January 4, 2022. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we do is take a look at the daily chart. Has anything changed? Is anything jumping off the page at us? The short answer is the SPY was down 29 cents today. The range was bigger than that, but essentially it finished flat on the day. 32 cents, 29 cents, whatever it winds up to be is a rounding error. When we look at the daily chart, we're looking at big picture stuff. We're looking at this move higher and we're looking at a market that's eating time off the clock in a bullish, flaggish kind of formation. So if they go back and forth within this range, that's still the same pattern at work. It is the same until it's not, and what makes it not is getting below and closing daily below 472. That's it. They're around the all-time highs. They made a new high this morning. They're in no man's land. There is no point of reference. Where did they go this morning? They went to, or almost to, the big fat round number of 480. The high today was exactly on the button, 479.98. There are no accidents nor coincidences in the market. Sometimes they come up short. Other times they bust through on the first run. You never know which it's going to be. The question is, are they going to run a better test of 480, or is this going to be a failure right in front of a big fat round number? It's not that common, but it does happen. I would like to see them run a better test of 480. Whether they do or don't remains a mystery. We'll know if they're not going to do it, or at least the first signal they're not going to do it is getting below 472. If they just continue eating time off the clock, then what they're doing is they're building energy to make another run higher, and 480 likely isn't the destination. It's likely higher. Net-net, below 472, the Bears have the ball. As long as they keep doing what they're doing, eating time off the clock, they're building energy to run higher yet again. Period. Full stop from a daily chart perspective. Now, we're looking at a 240-minute chart, and there is something slightly different. It's not entirely different, but it's slightly different. There was a pretty good almost reversal candle. I'm not calling it a bona fide reversal candle, specifically because it wasn't accompanied by better volume. It was still less than the average volume, but this first 240 candle of today had the makings of a market that's beginning to reverse. Now, they had a rescue operation, the volume was very light, and we know what the path of least resistance is in light volume. It's sideways to higher the majority of the time. They're above all the moving averages, not only on the daily chart, but also on this 240-minute chart. So the trend takes precedent. It is the dominant thing. But I'm watching to see if that first 240 candle from today ends up to be some kind of a signal. We have a similar situation on the 120 chart, only this one is slightly different than the 240 chart. And it's different because 
it was accompanied by decent volume. It was certainly more than the average volume on this chart, and that definitely raises an eyebrow. Could they be making a bearish pattern, some kind of bearish, flaggish kind of thing, or wedgish kind of thing now? It's not really a flag any longer, but it could be some kind of a wedgish kind of pattern as long as they don't get above that high, which is obviously the all-time high. But we're watching everything. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes. So when we bring a chart up, we say, regardless of where the high is or the all-time high, we say, what's the situation on this chart? We have a breakdown candle, therefore we have a breakdown candle high. This high happens to be the all-time high, but I don't care. I'm looking at this candle. It was an accompanied by volume. They are above all the moving averages. That is the dominant thing. But it is a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. Now, if they get above that high and close above, that's the all-time high, 479.98, then all that discussion about any kind of bearishness and a reversal candle is wiped off the table. What we're doing here and what we do each and every night is go through a process of identifying important things on each chart we look at, regardless of what the big picture may be to you, to somebody else, what your bias is, what somebody else's bias is, what the media says, where we are relative to all-time highs. We go through the process because the process works. May not tell us the immediate directional move leading into the next morning. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But irregardless, we go through the process. This is a mechanical exercise. What do we see when we look at the hourly chart? Very similar routine to the 120 chart. We have something different in terms of the volume. I want to point something out because I think this is important. So we have a breakdown candle, same as the 120 chart. But while the volume was better than the average volume on this chart, when you look at the previous two candles, the one from the last candle from yesterday and the first candle from today, they had better volume than the down candle that created the reversal candle. So that's interesting. That's another puzzle piece, not necessarily on the table. It's really in the back of my mind. I would like to see if we're looking for something, if we're looking for signals that the market is going to do something and we're discussing volume, I would like to see the volume be standout to the most recent volume. So, for example, this breakdown candle had good volume, but not great volume. Had it had volume like this one here, it may raise more of an eyebrow. Let's just call it on the hourly chart, 14, 15 million shares would really raise the eyebrow. You see the volume down here? This is much, much heavier volume. Tells you something more. The heavier the volume, the more likely you have what's called institutional participation. Today, you had very light volume. We can't really say there was much institutional participation other than maybe one candle on an hourly chart all day long. Notwithstanding the last half hour of the day, even the last, let's say, 20 minutes of the day. Let's insert a sidebar. When we bring up institutional participation, let's flip it a little bit and let's understand what we're likely seeing when we see the market go up in the morning and then fall back down like this. And the market goes up and it falls back down. Even at highs, 
what's really going on, other than the fact that the market, from a big-picture perspective, may be eating time off the clock, when you see these quick pops in the morning and quick drops right after that, more often than not, what that tells you is it's institutional distribution. What is institutional distribution? It's the institutions selling shares on a pop in the morning. So we're looking at a chart of Apple. So what did Apple do today? Apple, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because it's the widest held stock in the market. So Apple goes up in the morning from a bullish pattern. It was essentially creeping up essentially yesterday, and then it falls off. Is this indicative of institutional distribution? Now, you'll notice Apple's now making a bearish kind of flaggish pattern riding these moving averages on this hourly chart. What does that tell you? It tells you the likely scenario is Apple wants to run a test of this breakup candle low. We'll call it 177, 178 in that zone. How about Amazon? So Amazon was making a bullish pattern yesterday leading into the close. This morning, it rallies up. Institutions dump the shares, hence institutional distribution. The stock turns around and it's trading near recent lows below all the moving averages. Now, we've been looking at this one on and off, saying, hey, if this isn't going to rally, and a few others aren't going to rally, and they're not making new highs, why is the index making new highs? Is the index or indices going to be the last things to fall? A lot of stocks have already been under what's called distribution. Case in point, and we discussed this in one of the videos last week as well. If you're a holder of the SPY, and you were a holder from January to December, you were up nicely on the year. But if you were a holder of a variety of mutual funds, you can throw darts and pick them out. Just say growth funds. Many people have these things in their 401ks, retirement accounts, IRAs, or just investment accounts as a whole. And guess what? Most of them, the lying share of them, not lying, but lion share, the majority of mutual funds did not beat the index. They had tough years. Why is that? Because there were a lot of stocks that are already in bear markets. Some of the biggest stocks on the board, your Microsofts, your Facebooks, your Apples, your Googles, some of them have been holding up. Look at Google. This is holding up just fine. It's below some moving averages, the 50 and 20 moving average on the daily chart. But when you look at the weekly chart, it's still above all the moving averages. There's nothing technically wrong with the long-term Google chart. It's holding up fine. How about Microsoft? Long-term weekly chart above all the moving averages. Daily chart starting to break a little bit. A lot of mutual funds have a lot of the big stocks in them, but they also have stuff for juice. Let's just pick out some random stuff. How about pins? Pinterest. It was just on my board and I clicked it. Here's a snapshot of the weekly chart. A lot of funds own this stock. I don't know which ones. It doesn't matter. The point is, they likely bought it near the highs, not the lows. That's what they do the majority of the time. Peloton, fan favorite. Weekly chart. It's a debacle. Palantir, fan favorite. Melting away. Zoom video, fan favorite, melting away. These were the momentum names. A lot of these were the pandemic names. Beyond Meat, remember that one? How's Roku doing? 
The list goes on and on and on. The stocks that were in the news that were owned by a lot of the mutual funds all year long, they took a massive hit. Let's move over to inside the numbers. We're going to run through the commentary. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. I'm going to point out a couple of important things. I urge you to pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts to double check the work. If you're active in the market, trading the S&P 500 or any of the vehicles that track the S&P 500, this is information that you should know during the trading day. The numbers are something that you can take advantage of during the trading day. Let's turn around Tuesday. They're starting out at zero dark 30 around the next big fat round number of 480. Now we know what happened. They came up short after the opening bell. Those numbers are magnetic. In last night's video, we discussed the bullish flag out of the charts that said the market is going to run higher. Remember that hourly chart we looked at? Of course, the thieves in the night started the process. So at new highs, there's no point of reference. We just know that the big fat round numbers are magnetic. They're usually resistance, but it's not a bona fide resistance area that we can point to and say, here's the reason why. I've got this evidence or information to support the case that the market should run into resistance. Just having a number isn't enough, meaning a big fat round number in the middle of nowhere. It's just not enough. Now we want to know both sides of the tape. So if they fall, yesterday's close was 477.71. That could shift a few pennies depending on what chart you're looking at. And if visited, should provide at least temporary support. 475.65 is important and trouble for the bulls if candles are closing below. And this is all in the spirit of being prepared for whatever happens. 475.65 at zero dark 30 in the morning. Here's a five-minute chart of the SPY. Right of the vertical is today's activity. The line horizontally running across the screen represents 475.65. Low of day, 475.58. Now, citing a number at zero dark 30 is one thing. How they come into the number and what's happening at the time is something else. But just to have the number under your belt so you know where the zone is of support or an important zone to say the least, that's something that I would think traders would like to know before the trading day gets started. But that's just me. Let's move on, see what we have as the day gets underway. So they're hanging around above 479, which is also the 4,800 that we keep discussing in the ES contract. The next objective is 480. So they did that. They just came up two pennies short, but they really did the thing that we would expect them to do, make a run for the big fat round number. Nice start at 933. That was Billy Billy, one of the stocks on the move. We'll circle back to those. Here comes our 480. It was not a surprise. It was the thing that we expected them to do coming up two pennies short or spiking it through by 30 cents or whatever it is, we don't know which one is going to happen. And we discuss that all the time inside the numbers. Whenever there's one of those type of numbers, we'll say, we don't know whether they're going to come up short or spike it through on the first run. It's the number or the give or take that we're interested in. If you're long the market and riding it up to 480, you don't wait for them to get to 480. You exit before they get to 480. 
The main reason they don't get to 480 is because they know traders are waiting above 480 to short the tape. They want to leave them standing at the altar. That's sponsored by the Trick, Trap, Fool, and Frustrate crew, also known as Trick and Company. Their main job, their main objective is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. So now we have numbers that are important. 20 minutes into the day, we know that 479.06, that was currently low of day at the time, candles closing below opens the door for lower prices. So we would take 480 off the table once they start getting below 479.06. Technically, it would open the door for the gap left open last night. That doesn't mean they'll get there anytime soon. It just opens the door. Now. 479.06 was that number we just discussed. So getting below on candle closes, it's what opens the door to fill the gap and for some lower stuff that you'll see later in the notes. First, they fought the number. Then they gave it up. You have to know your numbers. Once they give it up, something is different. There is a different thing going on than higher. So 479.06 was our early bogey. They closed below, it opens the door for the gap. The gap is right here, they filled the gap, and they went even lower. I didn't say buy the gap, and you won't see me say buy the gap. Let's continue on so you'll see what I said. So here we're reiterating below 479.06 or above 479.06. That's really what our focus was at the time from an S&P perspective. They're either in the process of failing and working lower toward the gap, or it's a shakeout operation and they'll bounce back up. So as long as they haven't closed candles below 479.06, we don't know yet. If they do, then we do know. Bull bear battle around that number, and here you go. The longer they stay below the opening range low, that's 479.06, the more likely they are working toward the gap, 477.76. There's a couple of penny difference. Depending on which chart you look at, we talked about that before. No conviction, and here we go. There's your gap fill. The best price on the board from where I sit right now is a spike of 476. Not sure they'll do it now or soon, but if they did, I'm a buyer. 11.04, SPY 475.95, that's a spike of 476, a little one, down to 475.50, are two prices, traders looking for a long side scalp trade or more. For me, they had to get there sooner than later. So we're back to the chart. Now let's get our faculties one more time. There's two lines at the bottom. 475.95 was the first number. The second one was down to 475.50. And guess what? What was the low? How about 475.58? And remember the number from this morning, 475.65. Now, I'll say this, we want this trade coming down here early in the morning, or late in the morning for that matter, earlier in the day. Then, when they come back, even here, it still would have been okay in my book. The fact that they came up short here, hovered around it, ate time off the clock, bounced up a little bit, it really diminished the same trade. It wasn't the same in my book. Now, it worked out just the same, but it's not the same trade. When they do that kind of stuff, when they do a Macarena in front of the number, they bounce away earlier in the day, you want the one that comes straight into it. That's the best opportunity 
for success. Doesn't mean the number won't work later, but we're talking about the best possible trade setup. That's different than when just talking about a number. Nevertheless, the takeaway here is what? The numbers work. Let's see what we have as the afternoon begins to get rolling. What I urge you to do is pause the video, go back to the chart to double check the work. What you're going to see in the afternoon is as they start going back up, I'm giving the resistance areas for any trader that either was long from the low or around the low or wanted to be long and they know where the resistance areas are. Light volume, the path of least resistance is sideways to higher. The market starts to bounce after finding a morning low. There's a lot of traders out there that understand that could have been the low of day and therefore it's okay to hop on board understanding what risk they're taking. They're trying to play the momentum of the market just going to ride higher for a lot of the afternoon, a portion of the afternoon, or all afternoon. We don't know that is going to happen. It does happen a lot. I'm giving you the numbers. I'm not telling you to arbitrarily hop on board, but if you have the numbers and you understand the risk, that's a trader's choice. So I provide the resistance numbers, likely targets. And you'll see if you go back to the chart, here's 477.50 at 2.30 in the afternoon, the next likely target. So we're back on the chart. Here's 2.30 in the afternoon. The closing price at 2.30 is 476.55. They start to move up. I've given you the target. Then I give you the next target. They stalled out here for a little while. Resistance doesn't mean rejection. Resistance means they're going to go there. They're going to hang out for a while think about it, have a cup of coffee, and continue on, or get rejected. We don't know which one it's going to be, but if they start getting above one price, it opens the door for the next resistance area. And here it is, getting through opens the door for 478.40. They did all that and a little bit more. And so there it is into the end of the day. Let's take a look at some stocks on the move. The ones that hit their price objectives or entry targets are the one we're going to focus on. The others didn't hit their numbers, so they're off the board. They're no trades. The ones that did, ITCI, SE, PDD, and Billy. ITCI first. Here's a five-minute chart. You can see what happened. They hovered over the number. They creeped into the number. They missed the number here. The low here was 45.75. They hit it here, I believe it was, 45.72. And in that candle, they actually went as high as 46.17. They almost did the deal, but... This isn't the kind of trade we want. This is not the one that comes straight into it, which is the one when it's stretched out, the rubber band snaps back. This is the creeper. We don't want the creepers. So the number was still important. You can see that. The second number was important. You could see that. But this isn't the trade that is the kind of trade we're looking for in the morning. This isn't the morning trade type of thing. By the time this comes into the number, most traders aren't even watching anymore. They're finished for the day. You could still see the second number even worked even though it creeped into it. Either way, the numbers are important. The numbers work. SE was somewhat of a trifecta. It did the deal on the first number. You could see here it came into it in the first five minute candle. By the second one, the high was 206.80. That's doing the deal. The minimum required base hit and then some. Then they come into the second number and they do the deal at the second number. And then they come into the third number and do the deal at the third number. And look what was going on at the end of the day. You could see where the third number was certainly support going out into the end of the day or out at the end of the day. 
you got a bull flag pattern working, what do they want to do? Maybe get back to the second number in the morning. We'll see what happens. I'm not really going to be watching it, but if somebody wants to watch it, see what happens. PDD. The first number didn't work. The second number somewhat worked in terms of bouncing the tape. It was the third number that was really the deal, and then they ran out of time at the end of the day. Traders that painted by numbers ended up with about, I believe, a 70-cent loss if you wrote it into the end of the day. It never got below the stop. It never closed below the stop. It just didn't bounce enough. It ran out of time. Again, the same thing we just looked at on the other one. This has a bull flag pattern going out into the end of the day. Time ran out on the clock. How about Billy Billy? Painting by the numbers on Billy Billy, here's what we have. Not everything is as it seems. The first number gave you a quick base hit right at the open a few minutes into the day. And the folks inside the numbers live in the live trading room saw that. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Jordan was able to get the base hit on the first number. Then you can see where the second and third number was essentially a zone of support bouncing back and forth. Gave you plenty of trade from the third number. The second number was off the table. Why is that? Came up short, bounced away. It did the deal, so we took the second number off the table, it was the third number that certainly was active. And inside the numbers live, Jordan did take the third number, along with many other traders. And by the way, in the room, we were able to squeeze about 75 or 80 cents out of that trade. For you home gamers out there, that's about 2%. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Still struggling with the 50 period moving average. They're hovering around two and a quarter. Two and a quarter is really important. They were going to get to two and a quarter. They got to two and a quarter. If they can get above these pivots, they're going to fill the gap, but they're struggling so far with this two and a quarter neighborhood. All in all, 36 cents in the red is more of a rounding error, 0.16 tenths of 1%. It's really nothing to hang our hat on. They're sandwiched amongst these moving averages over here, so they're either going to fail or they're going to break above. There's not a lot of in-between, or should I say, tweener stuff. What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? So they had a pretty big day today, up 1.7%, 276 points. They're breaking up, staying above all the moving averages. What are they trying to do? They're trying to go fill this gap up here we discussed last night. Another positive up day, and that's precisely what they're going to do. The closer they get to the gap, the more magnetic that gap will become. Let's keep in mind. The IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. Transports are number two, but they are my favorite canary in the coal mine. Big up day for the transports. That's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Slightly different story for the Q people, the Silicon Valley slash Austin, Texas people. Now, we can say that they're eating time off the clock in a bullish formation above the moving averages. We can certainly say that, but when we say that, the umpire in me says we have to look at the other side. So this is one side. This is a move higher, and this is some kind of a bullish, flaggish, wedgish. I don't care what you call it. If you want to be a wise guy and say I'm wrong for what I call it, it doesn't really matter what we call it. But generally speaking, that's what happens out of these patterns, not all the time, but a lot of the time. That's one thing. The other thing that we have to say, and this is the umpire calling balls and strikes, we say we have a high and we have a lower high and they haven't been able to really rally up to 
the previous high. The S&P has, other markets have, but not the Qs. The weekly chart is bullish. It's above all the moving averages. But remember, everything starts somewhere. We talked about reversal candles with volume on the SPY. But what about this one? How about that volume down here, 20 million shares or whatever it was it's close to it? That's a nice reversal. That's a big-time reversal. That's different than what we saw in the SPY. Here's your 240 chart. There's your volume. There's your reversal. They're into the moving averages, but that's not something we can just brush off and say, eh, doesn't matter. That does matter. Here's the hourly chart. Maybe they were just running a test of these moving averages. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe the on-volume reversals were telling us something. We'll see what happens leading into Wednesday. What's going on with the financials? Well, what did we say? We said if they're going to get above the moving averages in this pivot, then they're going to go fill the gap. They went and filled the gap, and then some. They're already back challenging the highs. If the financials are going to break out to make new highs, we're not going to be looking for other markets to be collapsing simultaneously. That's an unlikely scenario. But we have to understand something. A lot of the financials, meaning the stocks within the XLF, they tend to rise when interest rates rise because they get a bump to the bottom line. How does that work? If they borrow money at next to nothing and interest rates go up, they go up for you and me and corporations borrowing money. They don't go up for the banks. They already borrowed the money from the Fed at a very low rate. The Fed didn't move the Fed funds rate. It's the longer end of the curve that moved. That means that any floating rate automatically gets a bump to the bottom line of the bank. It's just excess margin. It's built-in margin. Any rate that's now locked in at a higher rate, they're still borrowing money at the Fed low, That guess what? That's margin, excess margin for the bank. Here's the 10-year yield. This is the 10-year Treasury note interest rate. Look what's been going on. Rates have been rising. Banks have been rising. What's that line over here? I'm going to show you. Are rates breaking out? Well, they're either running another test of this trend line or they're going to break above the trend line. If they break above the trend line and begin to close weekly above that trend line, you're going to see another boost higher. Not necessarily right away. may take some time. Those of you in the Lazy Swing Trader product won't be surprised because we have a trade based on this chart as well as this chart. This is a monthly chart of the 30-year Treasury bond. If you've taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, you'll notice something very interesting on this monthly chart. It was on time. It was on time when it turned back up. And last but not least, we'll take a look at Smash Mouth. They ran a test of the 20-period moving average and bounced pretty nicely off that. Still in an uptrend. The trend is your friend. Nothing wrong with this chart, but that's an interesting move. That's kind of a shimmy down and bounce right back up. Somebody didn't want the SMH to fall today. Now, remember this. We looked at this, I believe, one day last week. Here's a reversal candle, and then here's another reversal candle. So it's interesting that they ran a test. They actually made a slightly higher high than this, but they never closed above, and it failed. So that reversal candle essentially rejected price over here and created another one. This is on volume. So now they're creeping up to run a test near the highs, but still, this is a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. 
we have a lot of reversal candles working around the tech area. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.